So uh, this morning we will be looking at uh, Palm Sunday text. It was our call to worship. We'll read a few verses before and after that and connect a few more dots. Um, we don't, again, we don't have a, a Good Friday service planned. Um, and so we will today kind of touch on Palm Sunday and a little bit of uh, Maundy Thursday as we do our communion time together, kind of build it into this morning's uh, message, um, leading us up to Resurrection Sunday next week. Uh, last week, we ended our covenant series talking about the new covenant in Christ and how it points back to and fulfills or completes a lot of the previous covenants or where it strayed from some of the previous covenants. Uh, and so we talked about that and closed that out. This morning, we're going to be in Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks, uh, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and, the fo and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And I just have kind of one overarching point uh, for the message this morning, and it'll make more sense probably in a few moments, but uh, the title is The King Defines the Kingdom. The King Defines the Kingdom. The crowds welcoming Jesus are, are recognizing his authority. They're calling out to him as the son of David signifying their submission to him by placing their cloaks on the ground. This was an act of saying, we, we surrender to your kingship, right, to your authority. Um, he's being hailed as king in this moment, and not just any king, but the son of David. So there's a connection here. If you remember to the covenant uh, of David that Rob taught on a few weeks ago, uh, this promise that there would be one who would come, right, a Messiah, uh, a Savior, who would sit on the throne of David, an heir of David, who would sit on the throne forever and ever. And so as they say, Hosanna, and they call him the son of David, they're recognizing Jesus as the one, to, the king to, to rule um, in the line of David, on the throne of David forever. So you can understand why they're so excited, why they're shouting, right? Why the crowds have gathered saying, uh, this is it. This is the one who has come to reign and rule from the throne of David forever. So the cloaks on the road are symbolizing uh, submission to Jesus, saying that you are an authority over us. The palm branches in the road, a uh, little bit different of a symbol here. Um, they still celebrate authority, uh, but they celebrate an authority almost nationally with Israel. Uh, the palm branches are more Jewish nationalism, more, again, this earthly kingdom, this kind of geopolitical reign on earth. 
And so we start to see there's some misunderstanding still here of what the kingdom of God is really all about. Now, is it wrong to, to lay branches and recognize Jesus as king of Israel? No, it's not. But I think it's a limited view from the crowd to think that Jesus' kingdom was going to be an earthly kingdom. Uh, and we've seen this theme in other places in Scripture. This isn't new to the people of God expecting someone to come and set up and say, okay, now Israel's foes will be defeated and Israel will have prosperity and Israel will uh, be ruled forever. And so this is kind of where our hopes are tied into. Uh, and so there's a little bit of this symbolism here in the palm branches, uh, a very, again, Jewish nationalism that's associated with it. We know from talking about the new covenant last week and the new covenant that was promised that it's not just the Jewish people who are uh, inheriting the promises of the new covenant. Right, But that God has taken the Jewish and the Gentile and grafted them together to be one people under him who will all inherit the new creation and the promises of the new covenant. And so the kingdom of God is more than just the nation of Israel. But the people, again, they're expecting an earthly kingdom, uh, prominence, prosperity, victory. Um, it's something to be excited about either way with Jesus coming to reign and rule. Um, but, again, kind of an incomplete view of the kingdom. And this misunderstanding, uh, it breaks Jesus' heart. We were seeing earlier, right, that our desire as we follow King Jesus is that um, our hearts would break for what breaks the Lord's heart. Um, not that we would have our idea of a kingdom uh, and then get a, the best king of all to rule in our understanding of a kingdom or our idea of a kingdom but that we would submit and surrender our plans to King Jesus and his kingdom. In Luke's account of the triumphal entry, we see this heartbreak. Um, so there's a triumphal entry, and then Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. And Luke 19, 41 and 42 says, When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. So Jesus recognizes that the people are putting their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, uh, all of this into he's going to set up an earthly kingdom for us. And by defeating all of our foes physically, we will have peace and his kingdom will rule and reign forever. And what Jesus is crying over is the fact that he, is, he knows that he has brought spiritual victory for all people, not just the Jewish people. And that peace isn't just about the circumstances of our lives, but the eternal state of our heart that's separated from him in sin. But by grace and by faith in Jesus, we can be reconciled to him and have peace. And so they've celebrated him as king. They've shouted Hosanna to the son of David. He's walking, marching, um, riding into the city. Uh, and he cries and weeps over it because he, he says they don't fully understand the victory that I'm bringing, the king that I really am, the kingdom that I've brought, um, the rule and reign over hearts, not just people and nations. So they are fully, enthusiastically hailing him as king, even recognizing the messianic savior aspect of it right? But not spiritually. There's been a promised rescuer. Well, yeah, he's going to rescue us. So they're thinking he's going to rescue us from, from oppression, from enemies, again. 
And yet there's, there's kind of this full-on embracing of that's our king and we're all in on celebrating him and worshiping him. And so I just want to remind us this morning briefly that uh, as we celebrate the triumphant king, Jesus, that we're celebrating what he really has triumphed over. That we don't get all excited and think, this is the victory, this is, and, but it's our definition of victory, our definition of peace, circumstantial, right? That it's not uh, what, what victory looks like for me or prosperity or winning looks like for me uh, or for my family or for my neighborhood or for my city or, you know what I mean? It's not just a nation, but it's eternal spiritual victory. And sometimes we can place false expectations on Jesus to say, this is what victory looks like. And then get all, go all in in our celebration, our praise, our worship of God that's not fully in spirit and truth, but it's really this kind of emotion that's been stirred up towards King Jesus because we believe he's going to bring the victory that we've defined for the kingdom that we've defined rather than what the king has defined. So as we praise, as we sing, as we serve, as we do all of these things in the name of Jesus and in praise of King Jesus, may it be towards what he has really promised and what he has really secured for us. He has conquered sin and death on our behalf so that we might be reconciled to God. This is the victory. Living according to his ways is living out his kingdom life. And his kingdom for eternity will be the rule and reign of Jesus forever. It's not tied to a nation. It's not tied to any flag that we know or see uh, that waves at the UN or otherwise. And it's a life surrendered in faith that receives that victory in relationship. It's nothing we can earn. It's nothing that we can moralistically do enough good to deserve and then inherit the kingdom and inherit this relationship. It's not through the songs we sing, shouting Hosanna. It's not through uh, serving, doing good works, doing charity work. Uh, It's not not through tithing or offering. Um, It's not through communion. It's not through any of those works or things that should be evidence of our faith. It is simply by faith in Jesus that we are saved. And by faith we are reconciled to God. And so just kind of a simple question before we uh, move into kind of the communion aspect of, of, of Holy Week is where is your faith today? Not where is your, uh, where is your money or, or where is your schedule, where is your time, what songs are you singing? Those are great things that can point us to where your faith is. But we don't start with the behavior. We don't start with the celebration. We don't start with those things. Those are a product, a fruit of our faith. So where is your faith this morning? Is it a faith in the King of Kings? Is it a faith in the Son of David? Do our hearts cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest, Hosanna to the Son of David? Or do our mouths simply cry out, hoping that that's going to cover us? If our hearts are surrendered, then we are children of the covenant, right? We're children of the promise. Then we receive the full inheritance. Then we live the kingdom life. And then our lives reflect by songs and shouts and giving and service and all the other things that I mentioned that don't save us, but they are a product of our salvation.
they're evidence of our salvation. I just want to guide us through just kind of a moment of prayer about that, um, about that question, about that topic, um, and then going to look at the, the first communion. Uh, reference it almost weekly when we do communion, but we're going to read the, the text um, and just kind of point out a couple of things. Uh, let's pray before we move that direction. Jesus, I just pray again that we would be a, a people who, who yes, are, are marked and characterized by, by praising you, by, by living sacrificially, by, by giving, by serving, by doing good works, by uh, singing your praises, by telling others about you, all these things, God. I pray that they are characteristics of us, that we are marked by those things even in a peculiar way, God, that, that it looks different to the world because we are marked by you. But God, I pray that it wouldn't just be behavior that we have changed to fit in or, or to, to put you inside of the framework of our kingdom or our idea of victory. Jesus, I pray that it would be hearts that are surrendered to your kingship hearts that are aligned with your rule and reign. God, may our hopes and dreams, may they be line up with your will so that we would rejoice in what you rejoice in, that we would weep over what makes you weep, that we'd be grieved by the things that grieve you, Lord. That means that we, we lay down our plans. We lay down our lives. We, we sacrifice our, our goals and ambitions, um, God, to what you have called us to. May we find that the sweet, sweet spot in life where, where our hearts desire what you desire for us and that we pursue what you have called us to because our main goal in life is to please and honor you, to live faithfully, submitted, surrendered to you. So God, that when uh, tragedies come, when loss comes, we don't lose faith because our faith is tied to victory on earth, that our faith would increase because we know that our good, good Father is still King, still God, is still Lord, still ruling and reigning. So Jesus, show us. Show us this morning. Show us this week, day by day, moment by moment. Where is our faith? Is it in Christ? Is it in the things of the world? Is it in ourselves? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would make it evident to us. You would be quick to convict us of those things that we might realign our hearts with the will of God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.